This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined as always by Carter Carls, a pre-maroon and white spring game edition of the podcast. We're going to take a, a good look at the spring game, of course, and look back over the spring. Got to talk to Jimbo Fisher on Wednesday and Max Wright and Damani Richardson as well. Carter, how's, how's everything been going? Going great, man. Ready for the spring game? It's uh, flown by for sure. I feel like the anticipation is kind of building a little bit now. Everybody's obviously really eager to see what Bobby Petrino is going to is going to bring to the table. This will obviously be fans' first opportunity to really get an extended look at um, what the offense looks like under him. Give always my yearly caution: there'll be guys sitting out because of injuries and all that. So don't don't try to take too much from the spring game, but a good opportunity to see see some of the young guys nonetheless and and um and just get an early feel um you know just starting looking back at this at this spring a&m's now 13 practices in the books um you know got another media uh window on wednesday short one feel like got a little bit of stretching in there got in got some special teams drills and then and then got a few minutes to see some some individual drills um starting we'll start on the offensive end are there any big like takeaways that you have getting to watch this offense or just a feel from from what you've got over these 13 practices yeah I think uh spring practice is a lot about first impressions with newcomers and early enrollees and and even just hey how much did this guy change from last season and I, I think when we talk about just the newcomers, the two that stood out right away and the, the two that have kind of continued to progress throughout the spring were uh, Chase Basantis and Ruben Owens uh, with, with Chase. Uh, he's been kind of the talk of the town here the last uh, week or two with someone probably a few practices in. They said, you know what? Yeah, we don't have Trey Zoom. Yeah, you're not a left tackle, but we like you more than the other options at right tackle that aren't named Ruben Fathery. So why not move Ruben Fathery to left tackle and Chase Basantis can start at right tackle? Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't think he is the the day one, game one starter for uh, Texas A&M once Trey Zoon comes back. It makes a lot of sense to have Zoon at left tackle and Fathery at, at right tackle. 
but it gives you some sort of safeguard. And Ruben Fathery is somebody who, you know, I wrote about how he kind of trains as a left tackle and a right tackle. So if he had to make that move, he could. Whereas a lot of guys, sometimes they only train one position or one side of the offensive line. And, and making that move can be quite difficult. Well, I think it's, you know, for an offensive line that we really thought struggled with depth, it, it, it has one more layer to the depth than we previously thought. You know, we thought Besantis might be a guy, may not see the field. You know, year one, freshman, they, they rarely see the field uh, in a good scenario on an offensive line. Uh, but for Besantis to have that trust already in Steve Adazio, I think is a great sign. Ruben Owens, uh, mentioned him a lot, but just doesn't seem to be a gap between him and the other guys in that room with Amari Daniels and Le'Veon Moss. And, and Moss was banged up for probably the middle part of spring camp. And that gave Owens some opportunities to kind of show what he's got. And I, I think he, he delivered in those moments. Um, and then wide receiver, uh, obviously that's a stacked room. Uh, but the depth is where the concern is. And, you know, when we talked to Jimbo yesterday, he confirmed they have Tyron Smith is for sure looking to go back to UTEP now. So now you got seven scholarship players there. Probably want to uh, add one or two more guys in the transfer portal. Obviously, Gary Bryant's a guy they're looking at. A um, couple more positions tied in. Um, I've talked about how Donovan Green has been head over, head over shoulders better than the other guys in that room, just from an eye test uh, perspective, gained 15 pounds since last season. Uh, just just seems really crisp in drills. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, you see <laughs> the tight ends coach, James Colby, getting on the other guys a lot more. Um, and then I think what we know about Bobby Petrino is he's someone who wants to use a lot of tight ends. And so you look at this room, and I think they've got a lot of guys that can fill different niches. Max Wright, I think he's very underrated as a blocker. I think he can give you a lot of stuff in, in that those blocking, you know, third and one situations, um, or even as a pass blocker as well. Um, and then as far as Jake Johnson goes, he's somebody who um, doesn't really look like a tight end. It's almost like he's this really big receiver. Uh, and so, hey, man, getting that guy in the passing game a little bit more mm-hmm. – and not as much in the in the running run blocking situations that Max Wright would be in. I think it makes a lot of sense if you're trying to use a lot of different tight ends in your offense. Uh, quarterback, last one, Connor Wigman, Max Johnson. They say it's a competition. It doesn't look like that much of a competition. Uh, I think Max Johnson is a solid backup. I think he could start at a lot of different Power Five schools. But I just think Connor Wigman has a lot of talent. Um, he's a lot more mobile than uh, Max Johnson. He's got a lot more of a live arm. And he's somebody that when you talk to a lot of people in and around the program, he, he's just got this confidence, this poise, this sort of way he carries himself that isn't really typical of a guy who's a true sophomore. So, you know, when you look at a guy like that, I think – he's a natural leader that people kind of gravitate to. So, you know, the offense does have some depth, depth issues at wide receiver and, and, and offensive line, but 
I think they've had a pretty good spring uh, to build on. They just got to get a little bit more healthy at certain positions. Dad, I think when you look at a guy like Chase Besantis and, you know, you, Jimbo Fisher said he's had an awesome spring. Um, you know, I believe Max Wright really raved about him as well and, and said he was a guy that was that was going to shock a lot of people. He was one of the top-rated offensive linemen in the country in the 2023 class. And, you know, the more and more you start to hear about him, obviously he's running with the ones. When you start to go through a fall, it feels more and more like he's a guy that could really factor in as a freshman, whether that's in the interior on the offensive line, if injuries start to happen, or if that's at right tackle, if they need him in a in a pinch with with Reuben Fothery and, and Trey Zune, if I if anything happens to either one of those two guys, it really feels like Chase Basantis has emerged as the as an option they could turn to, similar to you know, two years ago when AM turned to Reuben Fothery and Bryce Foster in the middle of the season. Those two guys were able to give them productive snaps. It feels like Chase Pisantis is kind of trending in that same direction. And, you know, on Ruben Owens, I think he's he's a guy that's just a natural football player. He's a guy that has a ton of experience, obviously carrying the ball in high school, um, was basically their offense for El Campo and and had the ball in his hands every single time. Um, and I think I think you'll see all three of those guys in Le'Veon Moss, Amari Daniels, and Ruben Owens kind of factor into the backfield this year. And it's a good situation to have. I think that's probably the strongest room A&M has. And, and wide receiver, you know, I, I agree with you. I think they need to add. And we'll, we'll certainly get more into the transfer portal later in the in the show. And uh, Gary Bryant's a guy that is still mulling a decision. A&M said, hey, listen, you have a, you have a spot to come in here and compete and make an impact. But I think they've got some other options as well. Shamar Kirk is a guy that's coming in this weekend. I think A&M has an opportunity there. Um, told me this was going to be probably his last visit. And so feels like an opportunity there for A&M to maybe add add to that room. But I, I, I think there's been some encouraging signs. And, um, you know, as, as we get more into Jimbo Fisher's press conference, um, I think there were some other encouraging signs on the defensive side of the ball. It's some guys that have caught your eye as well. Yeah. It, it's hard not to see uh, Jamar Turner. Just what, what he looks like. I mean, a guy that's like 300 pounds and can play tackle and end. I know it's a big debate. He, you know, you can call him a tweener. You can say, eh, he's probably more of a tackle, but for AM, they like to move him around all across that defensive line. And my goodness, just what, how fast that guy can move at that size. Yeah. You don't see it very often, but you see it pretty often with the rest of AM's D line. They just have so many guys Walter Nolan, Gabriel Brownlow Dendy, Shamar Stewart, LT Overton. It's just like, my goodness, man. Like this whole D line is absolutely stacked. Now, the end is a little bit short on numbers, but I, I think you can uh, be confident with, with the top guys there. Fadil Diggs was out of practice yesterday, but doesn't seem to be uh, that big of a, of a nick for, for him. Uh, so, yeah, I feel really good about that defensive line. I, I think the uh, linebackers have been you can't really read too much from them in spring practice they're you know not doing any competitive drills uh, 
linebackers, you can't really evaluate them unless they're actually live. So, um, but you know, you will get some of the early enrolled freshmen in that group, Tarnan York, Damian Sanford. You, you you like what they look like, right? You like how they move around. You like how big they are. Like that, they, they're not bad looking players by by any means. Um, cornerbacks, I feel like you can get a little bit more of a sense of them in in the limited viewing windows we get, just because they'll do these drills where you know they got to change direction and they've got to you know backpedal and. Uh, you know, de- decelerate on a dime. So, like, th- there are some drills where you can kind of see how fluid of a mover they are. And a guy that stood out to me yesterday was was Tyreek Chappelle. Um, it was his first practice that we've seen from him since the very first practice of the spring. Uh, obviously, was out for a few weeks with with personal reasons, but um, just didn't look like somebody who was not practicing for three weeks. I mean, I, I was very impressed with like, okay, um, anybody sits on the couch for three weeks. I mean, uh, they're, they're not going to be, you know, their best athletically. Um, not to say he was, but like it, it just, it looked like he was a guy who would practice all spring. And I was very impressed with just kind of his movements and his change of direction. Uh, Tony Grimes is another guy who, you're just impressed with what he looks like. And obviously he brings the starting experience. McCall's the same way. Um, I think at the cornerback position, you feel good about your starters and Chappelle and Grimes. And you feel good about one of your backups in Sam McCall. But after that, it's like, okay, who else is there? And so I think that's the problem for this cornerback group that they're probably going to need to address here soon uh and safety uh, i mean we, we talk about nickel as well bryce anderson uh i mean that guy he's probably the best athlete of the whole defensive yeah. back room i i'm really i mean i was watching him return kicks yesterday i was like my gosh this guy it's just acceleration is unbelievable uh when he when he's got the ball in his hands uh, people i think people at first were like why, why is he returning kickoffs uh, but man, it, it took like two returns for me to say, okay, yeah, I understand. Uh, and then say, I mean, the rest of the group safety, you, you, you bring back your, your starters, you bring back your experience, Damani Richardson, Jardine Gilbert, both of them have been a little bit banged up this spring, but you feel pretty good about that position group. You feel good about the depth. Um, it's really just cornerback and linebacker where the depth is kind of, eh, so overall, a good spring for this defense, but definitely some concerns to address. No doubt. And you look at Bryce Anderson. I mean, he's just probably one of the better all around athletes you'll find. I mean, in high school, he played quarterback and, and was basically leading that offense and just a guy that, that you feel like you can put in any sort of position and, and he's going to be able to do it all has a great feel for the game. Um, Did not look at out of place at all when he played, as a freshman. And I, I think that was a natural kind of replacement for, for Antonio Johnson. I agree on the, on the, the depth at cornerback. I feel like they can, they can use at least maybe one more guy there just because you don't want to have to, if you don't have, if you, if, if possibly you, you want to give those freshmen time to develop, right. You want to give Javon Thomas, Bravion Rogers is going to arrive in the summer. Um, that's a, a lot to ask for him to come right in and be able to, 
make an impact as a as a as a freshman in the fall. Uh, Bobby Taylor is a guy that I think is is intriguing on 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 what we kind of see. Saturday was obviously hurt most of last year, and so um, that's a guy I think that's intriguing to be able to see. Um, switching gears a little bit to to just Jimbo Fisher, as as I mentioned, got to hear from him on Wednesday. Uh, I think this is the third time we've heard from him this spring, and and definitely I feel like the most upbeat he's been um, this spring was really really pleased. He said with the way practice has gone, with the way the energy, physicality, and competition has has gone so far, um, raved about the offensive line, as I mentioned, talked about Chase Basantis, talked about Remington Strickland, Mark Naboo. Uh, now, he does like to kind of hit on every guy. You saw him kind of circling down. It, it felt like a rope <laughs> He, he kind of likes, likes to make sure nobody was left out and, and everybody was kind of at least, at least mentioned, but – uh, you know, I thought he was he was pretty upbeat about the way the way things have gone, and uh, you know they've kind of just quietly gone about their practices, and uh, I, that's the kind of spring A and M needed. Yeah, I, I still think about that first presser not not from me, like I don't care, like whatever. But A and M, it's more like. I, I went in the top five storylines of the spring before spring camp. And number one was let's, let's make this a boring spring and let, let's make it where there's no headlines. There's no talk. And, you know, that first press conference, I, I'm willing to overlook it. Like I don't like in the moment you care about it, but like after a week, it's like, okay, well, he's answering questions about Petrino now. Clearly he's, you know, whatever. But, like, from a national media perspective and and fans from the outside, the casual fans, they're going to take that first press conference and they're going to continue to talk about it this offseason. If there's another flare-up, it'll all remember that, you know. So, like, the objective of having a boring spring, I think that one press conference is kind of that one dark spot uh, for this program. Again, I don't think it was a huge deal. I'm just saying people on the outside. Oh, remember when he, Oh, him and Petrino are clashing. Oh, like, and that's not the case. Like from everything we've heard, like everything's been going pretty well so far between those two. It's just people on the outside that, uh, will have their opinions. And that's, that's just the one thing that I think, Having the boring spring, that's probably the one thing where they didn't have it. Uh, outside of that, though, um, you mentioned him being upbeat. I, I feel like he's been like that in every press conference except that first one. Um, yeah. And it's great to just hear him talk about football. I mean, um, he can be very insightful uh, about his players, about the game. Um, he's very opinionated. I mean, he was talking about the the spring game, uh, it, the idea of – playing another opponent and you, you hear a lot of coaches just kind of give this, eh, yeah, that'd be cool, you know, yeah. but they're either just like not wanting to expound upon that or that's not really how they feel. And I, I can appreciate that Jimbo is saying like, no, I don't want to do that because what I'm just going to like get my players injured. Like there's no gain out of it. There's no, now I don't, 
agree with them. Like for for me, selfishly, I'm like, hey, it'd be pretty freaking cool if they played Houston in a spring game. Like that would be fun to analyze, be fun to talk about. Uh, selfishly, I'd love that. But I also don't blame them for saying, hey, uh, what am I getting for this? This game doesn't count. Uh, this There's not really that big of a financial game, potentially, um, unless you create one. And, like, am I, yeah, am I just going to get my players hurt for no reason? I, whereas I can just kind of control um, the environment uh, if it's my own spring game. So that, I appreciate that he's willing to just say stuff sometimes that, other people may be afraid to say or, or aren't willing to say. Um, and I did think he made a, made some good points about it, even though, you know, selfishly, I'm like, man, I sure would love that. That'd be really fun to see him go up against North Texas or whoever. Yeah, I think even Damani Richardson kind of, you know, when he was asked about it, said, you know, would I love to do that? Absolutely. Like, be like a great idea and would – you know, would it, would it be smart? He's like, you know, I'd have to do more research. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it would be. And I feel like that's kind of that, that attitude, right? Like he made a lot of good points. One of the things for those that didn't get a chance to see one of the things he brought up is, okay, well, how do you protect the quarterback? Obviously in the spring game, if you have your own spring game, you can kind of say, Hey, don't hit the quarterback. But you know, what if Connor Wigman or Max Johnson takes a, a shot at the knees and then suddenly you're, kind of in scramble mode to figure out what you're going to do at quarterback. And, you know, they are at this point midway through the off season program, right? Like they've obviously got kind of that summer session to go where they're going to do more conditioning in June and July and really start to ramp up for a fall camp. And so I certainly understood his point. I think he, I think he hadn't really heard about it either. He's kind of a guy that we've talked about this before. He's not on social media. He's not, (laughs) does not want to be on social media, does not care about social media. And so, you know, he's not really seeing like the, the banter going back and forth. And, you know, he kind of said, you know, if it it ends up happening, I'll do more research and and thought into it. I think he genuinely has just been focused on like the recruiting angle. Um, So I don't think he's seen like the full conversation. Like, is there the charity component to it or does the money go to charity or, or anything like that? You know, I, I think, it'd be interesting to get his perspective if, if, if it ended up happening kind of, well, what are you going to do? Cause as you mentioned, are you going to sit out first string players or guys that you don't want to get hurt? And is it going to kind of turn into a hall of fame game type of feel? Um, so certainly brought up some, some very interesting, some very interesting points and um, you know, it'd be interesting to kind of hear from him on Saturday again, obviously up after the spring game, we'll be able to kind of talk more about um you know, what, what A&M was trying to get accomplished and what they did get accomplished to your point about Bobby Petrino was asked about some scheme stuff and really gave some, some good answers that, you know, it's when you talk about scheme and you talk about terminology, it's whatever makes the most sense for the players kind of said, it isn't his scheme. It isn't his philosophy or Bobby Petrino's philosophy for that matter. It's whatever kind of the players fit best. And so, um thought it was thought it was probably his his most insightful and and an open press conference of the spring and and a lot of good things came out of it so uh we're going to talk about another angle that that he was asked about on on wednesday right after 
a quick break, and and that is the transfer portal. Um, the second window opens on Wednesday, on Saturday, excuse me. And so um, we're going to dive right into that right after a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. Carter, we... Uh, are starting to see some guys, obviously, as I mentioned right before the break, uh, you know, with the second portal window opens on Saturday, starting to see some guys declare their intentions as we kind of saw the first go around. Um, and Matthew Wyckoff was obviously uh, one name for AM that uh, announced on Wednesday that he was planning to enter the transfer portal on on saturday um just starting with him what did what was your reaction to that that news and where that kind of leaves a&m from an offensive line standpoint yeah you, you never want to lose at that piece but uh it's also not the end of the world um uh, so mm-hmm. I, I think the center position was one where we looked at before the spring we said man bryce foster's coming off a of 20 cl should be good to go uh, by preseason camp, should be should be the starter. We it would be a shock if he wasn't the starter. But I've noticed he's doing you know, track this spring, so he that kind of gives yeah. you the indication. Yeah, that as well. Uh, but you know, is he injury prone? Is this a one time deal? Like, will will he play the whole season? That could determine how big of a loss this is. Uh, and then Mark Naboo as you know his second year has really grabbed hold of that starting position in Bryce Foster's absence and you know he's still new to the position but it seems like the coaches have a lot of confidence in him they've, they've you know Jimbo said uh, a lot of good things about uh, Naboo so you know maybe it's very possible that he passed up Wyckoff on the depth chart and if that's the case you know, are you are you gonna uh, see your third team center leaving and and say it's the end of the world? Uh, I don't think so. Also, you know, people will look at like, oh, well, he was a on the all freshman SEC team. Well, sometimes those things are just like made up, right? Like sometimes yeah. they just look at the star ratings and they say, oh, I can remember there was an offensive lineman at Notre Dame. Uh, it was a five star recruit, Tommy Kramer, and. Every year he was like a preseason All-American, even though he was their worst offensive lineman every single year. <laughs> uh, so, like, some of these things are just made up. If you looked at the, the pro football focus numbers, 
He gave up the most pressures among centers in the SEC last year, uh, even though he split time at that position with Foster. So he still had a lot of development left in him. He was someone that was really put in a bad spot last year, wasn't expected to be the starter, wasn't expected to you know, be, be thrust in a position where he was going to uh, need to have a significant role. But Bryce Foster's injuries uh, kind of created that avoid for him to have to fill. And so, you know, Wyckoff, certainly a guy who a few years down the line, you know, the, as a junior, senior, I thought he could have been a, a pretty decent offensive lineman. Uh, but to, to be asked to do that right off the bat to, to start your career first couple of years, that's, that's a that's a tall task to ask any offensive lineman. So as poorly as he played last season, it, it does not mean that that's what he's going to be his whole career. I think he's someone that could go to another program. Power five, for sure, he could. Um, he could be a great player a group of five uh, program. I, I think there's a lot of different destinations that he can go to and be a pretty solid player. He just needs to develop at his own pace and not be thrown to the fire like he was uh, last season. So, you know, I say all that. You also want to prevent the next Matthew Wyckoff from happening. You don't want to throw another guy in the fire because he's left. So it's going to be really important for this offensive line to have Bryce Foster healthy all year because as great as Mark Nabu has been this spring, he's new to the position. He's new to snapping. And I don't think you want to ask that guy to start any games next year. You want Bryce Foster to be that guy. You want him to be fully recovered from his injury, fully healthy. And, and that would be what inspires the most confidence from that group. I think this fall. No doubt. And, you know, when you look at Bryce Foster, I think, look, his his year never really got got going. It felt like he was sick to begin the year, was kind of in and out during fall camp and and then, you know, obviously gets hurt in the Alabama game and, and misses the rest of the year. And you're right. I mean, Matthew Wyckoff is a guy Let's look, he was a guy that was rated as an offensive tackle coming out of high school and then kind of moved inside. Um, learned that center position, learned snapping, um, had some problems there. Snaps were a big problem for AM last year and, and contributed to come with some of those quarterback struggles. I think from a depth standpoint, it does hurt. Uh, I think AM was already kind of light on experience when you look at, at the offensive line. And um, one of the one of the things you were pointing to was, well, everybody's back for another year. And so um, you know, you hope that offensive line takes that step. I'm with you. I think Bryce Foster needs to stay healthy. That's the biggest key. If he stays healthy, this probably isn't an issue. And you know, you can feel good about Mark Nabu as a as a backup. Um, they've clearly loved what they've seen from him. I think you know he's Jimbo Fisher kind of mentioned it that he's he's had a great spring. Has been running with the ones all spring, and so um, you know they clearly feel good about where he's at. Um, Jim Fisher was also asked about kind of where, and it's been a discussion point all season, all off season long is A&M kind of sitting at around that 74 mark scholarship wise. Um, and was asked about getting up to the 85 mark and said, listen, you know, during his time at Florida state, they were never really there. They were always kind of in the 81, 82 range said they've been in roughly the same spot, uh, 
since he arrived at AM. Uh, this is going to be a, an important weekend on the transfer front, I feel like, just to, uh, just to address some of those needs we talked about, uh, you know, among the expected visitors this weekend is Boston College defensive back transfer Josh DeBerry. A um, and M and Wisconsin are kind of the two schools it seems like are are pushing really hard for him right now. Um, would fit in that nickel nickelback role, nickel role, but um, could also play play on the outside as well. Um, got a linebacker coming in as well um, from Jackson State. Um, so got a couple guys coming in. Um, Juriente Davis, um, wanted to make sure I got that. So Juriente Davis, he's a transfer linebacker from Jackson State. Shamar Kirk is a junior college wide receiver, as I mentioned, um, that A&M will likely be his last visit. And so um, some important, I think, hitting at positions of need right then and there. We talked earlier in this, this podcast about linebacker, defensive back, and wide receiver, and A&M will have three guys in town this weekend um, at those spots. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I went through the scholarship numbers. I know Sam Pond had written that was 75 uh, without Wyckoff, that would make it 74. Um, I got up to 73, found out that, yeah, Makai Overton is probably a scholarship player. So that's 74. And that, that's kind of where the, the, the minus one was there. So they're at 74, but A&M is a little bit weird. It's, it's not uncommon. A lot of player, a lot of places are kind of secretive about their scholarship count, but a Randy Bond, for an example, was a walk-on for A&M, but are we sure he's still a walk-on? And I try to ask around people are like, yeah, Jimbo's real secretive about that. Um, we can assume that they're probably in the mid seventies as far as scholarship count goes. So you could probably see them add uh, optimistically anywhere between six to 10 players in the transfer portal. Uh, the question really is, um, are you just filling some spots for depth? Um, are you willing to take C plus players that, are never going to start for you uh, just so you can fill the space and have more competition at practice. Um, or are you willing to like, just, you know, like, are you okay with having 80 players or can you have 84 players, but the four players to add are kind of, eh. you know, that that's kind of the question that I have yeah. because I think they're going to go after these good players, Josh DeBerry, right. Uh, three time, OACC guy, like there's going to be some of those, but probably not as many as there were in the first portal window where it's right after the season. It's a 40 day, 40 day window. This time it's only 15 days. They can't get any SEC players. That's another big roadblock. There's no SEC to SEC transfers in this window. So they're kind of limited on the guys they can get. And there's going to be a lot of competition for the limited amount of players they could get. So like, I think they could maybe get a few pretty good players, but after that, you may have to say, yeah, this guy may never start, but he's a warm body, you know, and 
Um, there's some guys you could probably get like that that just have one year left and are happy to be there. Um, I can remember covering Florida State last year. Right before the season, they had a few numbers that they could fill. And there's a guy from Jacksonville State, uh, Malik Feaster, a cornerback. He's coming off like a torn meniscus or some sort of knee injury. Um, so he wasn't even going to be available the first few weeks of the season. It was really just going to be a guy that could be available at practice and, and kind of have some good, healthy competition with cornerbacks and receivers. And they're like, yeah, sure, let's take him. And he, he never ended up being more than a special teams player and uh, somebody to come in and, and blowouts. But sometimes you need those guys just to kind of fill up your roster uh, if it's only for a year. Now, you don't want to be on a books with a guy for, for three years and say, oh, my gosh, we've got this guy who may never yeah. play for three years. But if it's one year and you have to have the space uh, – why not? You know, why not? So that's kind of what I'm interested to see. But the the one roadblock is Jimbo Fisher has never, ever been a big transfer guy. He's probably taken, what, seven in the last five years. And we're talking about more than seven spots that he could fill with transfers. So we'd have to be asking him to get more transfers in this window, a 15-day window, uh, than transfers he's gotten in the last five years. Not to mention, they could be losing a few to a handful of players to this transfer portal. So we say six to 10 spots, but really it could be like 12 to 15 if they have some attrition and lose some guys. So if they're in the mid 70s now, they may be in the low 70s by the time, and maybe even high 60s by the time this window is over. So a lot of things can happen. A lot of things can change, but you'd like to see A&M be very active in this cycle because there are some positions, as we've mentioned, linebacker, cornerback, and, and wide receiver in particular, D end a little bit, but not, not too much, uh, where you could add some guys in there, I think. No question. And you look at some of these – some of these guys that they're bringing in this weekend, right? And uh, Gary Bryant's a guy that, as I mentioned, they had in earlier this spring. And right now he's kind of looking towards a May decision, it seems like. But that really seems to be an A&M, Oregon, Arizona battle. Um, and, you know, A&M would love to add him. And I think you would feel really good about the uh, about the wide receiver room if you're able to to pull him in and then Shamar Kirk I think would is a guy that has nice film right is a guy that's looking for an opportunity is excited about A&M feels like a pretty winnable recruitment you've you've got Purdue UNLV kind of in the mix um feels like a recruitment that A&M can can win and and gives you some security at that wide receiver spot with Juriente Davis he's got a couple other visits kind of said he's coming off a visit to Kentucky. So um, there's SEC interest there. If you add him, given, you know, some of the, some of the buzz there has been around Torian York and Damian Sanford this year or this spring, I feel like, you know, fans and, and the coaching staff would come out of this spring feeling pretty good. You know, you were kind of looking at it. Okay. A&M needs to add one linebacker this, this, uh, this cycle, just a one or two, through the transfer portal to really feel good and really feel stable. And, and if you can do that, 
you have Edron Cooper and Chris Russell and Marshall Harris. And, you know, if you can add Juriente Davis, you feel pretty good about that with Torian York and Damian Sanford having some more time to kind of develop, contribute some spots. You start to feel pretty good about that. You know, Jimbo Fisher was asked about the transfer portal on Wednesday and said, you know, AM plans to be pretty active. Now he cautioned, you've got to have, and it's it's a discussion point that has been had ad nauseum on the on the board and about, you know, you gotta have starting spots to sell. And AM obviously brings back a lot of young players that saw significant playing time last year. And why are kids entering the portal? They're entering because they didn't get playing time at a previous institution a lot of times, and they're looking for an opportunity to play. So, you know, it's it's kind of on the coaching staff to to kind of paint that that picture. And, you know, you're going to win some recruitments and you're going to lose some recruitments. You know, Tank Booker, a Maryland, Maryland defensive lineman, was a guy that they brought in for a visit. And, you know, I think the role he was kind of envisioning was just more than A&M was really able to – to provide along the defensive line. And that's okay. You brought him in on a visit. You got a feel for him. And he ended up going somewhere else where he feels like he's going to be able to play a lot. And that's kind of what guys are looking for in the transfer portal. Now I do think there's some opportunities if it'll work out. Brennan Thompson's a guy um, who also, you know, his, his name surfaced on Wednesday as somebody that's planning to enter the transfer portal. Texas A&M was, one of the schools that was very much in the mix for him, he got really close to Jimbo Fisher. Um, it's kind of that country feel, loves to go hunting and fishing. You know, him and Jimbo Fisher really bonded on that during the recruiting process and talked about that. And so, uh, you know, if he's a guy that's willing to come in, has multiple years of eligibility left, we've talked about that before. That's an opportunity in the transfer portal if a guy – a guy similar to Sam McCall, I feel like we talked about, a guy that maybe this year isn't the year that you come in and walk into a starting spot, but you have, a come, you have an opportunity to come into a role in an environment you feel like you fit in and you know have a role. He could be a dynamic special teams guy. I feel like A&M could plug him right in as a punt or kick returner, and, and he could really impact the game there. The slot position, as we've talked about, is – is pretty deep this year with Moose Muhammad and Anaya Smith. And, you know, you've got Micah Tease there as well. And so, um, you know, fit wise, I, I, I'm interested to kind of see where that kind of goes. If he's looking at a spot where maybe the depth chart is a little more favorable, but just wrapping it up here and, and, and putting a bow on the transfer portal. If you had say three positions, you feel like A&M, absolutely has to get a transfer portal guy. Uh, what do you feel like those would be? Um, well, if I was going to rank them, I'd probably put offensive tackle number one. I know you feel really good about Chase Basanis and the growth that, that he has made, but I still think if he's starting game one, I don't think that's a good thing. He, he seems more uh, – like I think he can develop into a great right tackle – I feel like season one, he'd be more of a fit as a guard, just seeing how he's built, how how he moves. But, you know, right tackle, he, he could play it, but I, I just don't think he could play it very well game one. I think he can develop into a guy that's drafted, that's all conference, but just 
game one of your first year. That's a really tall ask for a, a, a freshman uh, on, on, on the offensive line. So, uh, and even just beyond him, I don't think you feel good about any of your backup options. You feel good about him just because there's kind of hope in the, the freshman, but I just, you know, beyond Trey Zune and Ruben Fathery, not a lot of guys inspire confidence in that room, and they're short on numbers. So, I mean, it's tough because offensive tackle is not a position you can really get in the portal. I mean, we saw it with Jameer Johnson a couple of years ago. That that was an experiment that did not go very well for a and uh, And even Jameer Johnsons are hard to find at that position in the portal. They're just not a lot of great offensive tackle. So I can say it's a big need, but are they going to fill it? Probably not. I still think it's worth having more bodies in that room if you can get a guy or two. So I do think it's still worth uh, looking at that. Um, Number two and three, it's kind of a tie. I'll go with linebacker at, at number two just because this has been a defense that's really struggled against the run. I think having better linebacker play is a big part of that. We see how good this defensive line is. So these linebackers have to be better. I think you feel okay about the starters, Edge Cooper, Chris Russell. They're they're decent players. They're not world breakers or anything like that. Uh, but the depth is really the concern for me. I think, you know, Damian Sanford, Tyron York, Martrell Harris, you like the idea of them and what they could be. But year one, I just don't I just don't like playing early enrolled freshmen right off the bat mm-hmm. at positions that are really hard to learn your first year uh, and play your first year. So getting a couple transfers there uh, would, would help cornerback. Why I rank them third is I think you feel really good about their starters. Tyreek Chappelle, Tony Grimes, very solid. And I, I do think Sam McCall is your top backup option. And then you throw around guys like Deuce Harmon, you know, probably could play nickel, probably a little bit of outside corner maybe as well. Um, You feel okay, but I think they could add one or two more corners in there that could really just solidify that, that reserve that they have at that position. They lost a ton of those guys to the transfer portal. So, just kind of filling that void for uh, to where you're not having to play Javon Thomas right away um, I, if there's an injury because that's another position where just you're like one position you're one injury away from being in trouble. So yeah. just having one or two more buys in there, I think, would help. No doubt. That's that's probably the three that that to me make the most sense. And then, like we said, kind of wide receiver would probably be that that fourth one, but, you know, encouraging the way Noah Thomas has talked about this, this spring. And I think he's a guy that when you talk about people that can make a second year jump, I think he's somebody that if A&M had to rely on him as, as a sophomore, they could. And I think he could, he could definitely be pretty productive. So going to be pretty fascinating to see how this team kind of um, continues to progress, what A&M is able to do in the transfer portal, um, and whether they are pretty active, how, you know, they, it's encouraging that they continue to bring guys in. Um, I think there is more work to do. And we kind of talked about that, that, you know, 
they're going to target people that they like. And if they see a guy that they're going to bring in, they're going to try to get them on campus and, and make things happen. So um, still more, more work to be done there and, and should make for kind of an intriguing May or June as we, as we hit, um, as we hit official visit season as well. Carter, enjoy, enjoy the spring game on, on Saturday. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a pretty fun one to, to kind of, again, get to see, to see Bobby Petrino to everyone else heading out there. Enjoy it. There's some football on the field. That's the good news. You get to see guys in action and um, the spring will certainly be, or the fall will certainly be here before we know it. As a reminder, if you haven't done so already, uh, be sure to like and share these videos and subscribe to our YouTube channel um, and subscribe to uh, subscribe on Apple and iTunes as well. Um, and until then, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks again.